Good morning and welcome to Shouts of Grace. This morning we are continuing our series in the book of Philippians. And of course we're continuing in chapter 2. We are getting into none other than my favorite Christmas passage. I don't know how far we're going to get into it, but I'll point out how it is a Christmas passage, at least today. Uh, And we might spend a couple days on this because it really is just an incredibly, uh, I think, important passage of Scripture. And I'm excited to get into this, but let's go ahead and let's read Philippians chapter 2. It says this, Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if there's any comfort of love, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others." Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant and coming into the likeness of men, in the likeness of men. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, and of those of heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed in my presence, uh, not in my presence only, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights of the world, holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain nor labored in vain, yes, and if I, I, yes, and I'm being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with you all. For the same reason, I also, uh, for the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. But I trust in you, in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. But you know this his proven character, that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Therefore, I send him at once, as soon as I see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord that I myself shall also come to you shortly. Yet I consider it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier. But your messenger and the one who ministered to my need, since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed he was sick almost unto death, but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore I sent him the more eagerly, that when you see him again you may rejoice, and I may be less sorrowful. Receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such men in esteem. Because for their work of Christ, he came close to death, not regarding his life to supply what was lacking in your service towards me. 
Now, this morning, we're going to be focusing in here on verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking on the bondservant, and coming into the likeness of men, and being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Now, when we look at this here, that was, by the way, verses 5 through 8, but we're going to specifically be focusing in here on verse 5. I want us to realize this is my favorite my favorite Christmas passage, or maybe I should call it an incarnation passage, because it's all about Jesus Christ coming and putting on flesh, coming in the likeness of man, and it really gets to the heart of, of what Jesus, of who Jesus is, and what he came and what he did in his obedience, in his humility in the incarnation, and of course, how we are to have that mindset that Jesus Christ had as well. And we're going to dive into that a little bit more tomorrow and probably, possibly the next day as well. We'll see how far we can get into it today and the next day. But I specifically want to look at this concept here where it says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And then it says this, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Because this gives us a very important insight as to how we should view ourselves. Now, when it says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, it's not going and saying that you should view yourself as God. And that's important to understand. That seems like a, well, duh situation here. But when you go and you read it, it, it does go and say, let this mind be in you. And then the next thing it goes and it says, Jesus, who didn't consider it robbery to be equal with God. Well, what's it getting at here? It's getting at the fact that Jesus is, in fact, God. That is who he is. And so Jesus is having a right view, an accurate view of himself when he is not considering it robber to be equal with God. Why? Because he is God. And so the mindset that's in Christ Jesus, the mind that is in Christ Jesus that we are to also have is a mind that has an accurate view of ourself. You are to view yourself rightly as to who you are. And of course, how do you find out who you are? Well, you look into the Word of God. The Word of God is a mirror that reflects to us the right image. The problem is, is that when we go and we look other places, so many people want to go and look other places in life. And when they do that, it becomes a carnival mirror. You know, if you've ever seen a carnival mirror, you go and you look at that, maybe you're, you're, you're shorter and stouter than what you ought to be. Maybe your, your, your head is distorted or your face is distorted or your body is elongated or something like that. It's, it's, it's got these curved mirrors that are looking back. But when you look into the perfect law of liberty, when you look into the word of God, you see an accurate reflection of yourself. Because one of the things we're going to get into tomorrow is the humility that Christ put on. And of course, the obedience then that Christ put on as well. But one of the things that we need to get out of the way before we can get into that is the sense of false humility. And of course, then a an overestimation of self as well. But we look at this, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, and then it goes and it says that he has an accurate view of himself. He doesn't consider it robbery to be equal with God. You need to have an accurate view of yourself as to who you are 
That includes what your abilities are. That includes what your giftings are. That includes what your position is that God has given you in your purpose, because these are important things to go and to understand. And when you have that accurate view of yourself, when you're going and you truly do see what God has gifted you and what God has given you abilities, and when you go and you see these things, then you can have the right view and you can avoid either overestimating yourself or false humility. Now, that overestimating yourself, we understand that quite a bit, that that comes down to pride. You know, I've got two little boys, Thomas and Henry. Uh, Thomas is four, Henry's two. And th- there are times when they have overestimation. In fact, uh, just this last evening, I went to go and put them to bed. And, and Thomas, I don't know what got into his mind, but but he, as I'm putting him to bed, stands up in his bed and he goes and he's going to go jumping off of his bed. And he's not the most athletic child in the world. In fact, he's probably on the scale of one of the lesser athletic children uh, in the world and coordinated children in the world. And he's jumping off of his bed right onto a bunch of toys. That's where he was aiming for. And all of a sudden I stood up and I snatched him out of the air and I put him right back into bed. And I mean, he was kind of surprised that he did it. I was a little surprised that I did it too, because it was one of those that you just do without thinking. You just, whoa, there he goes. And he's midair and I catch him, put him there. But he was way overestimating his ability because he was going to go and to land on a bunch of toys Probably wasn't going to get himself seriously hurt, but definitely would not have felt well, depending on where he would have landed on that. And as Christians, we need to go and make sure that we're not having an overestimation of ourselves. But the problem is, is that so many times people then go and they swing the pendulum the other way and they end up having false humility. And false humility ultimately is just a different form of pride. And what is false humility? It's when you go and God has gifted you in something, when you go and God has given you an ability or a talent in something, or he has put you in a position to go and to do this, and you come out and you go, oh no, I'm just terrible at that. I could just never do it. Oh, I'm just no good. You know, that's a little bit hyperbole there. But Many times that's what people end up doing, and it's this false humility when in reality they're just trying to get somebody to say, oh, no, you are good at that, or they're trying to misrepresent the gifts, the talents, the abilities, the position that God has actually given to them or the calling that God has placed on their life. And that's a problem because then you're not accomplishing You're not fulfilling the purpose that God has given for you, and you're not putting on the mind of Christ because the mind that Christ had was one that was accurate of himself. And so quickly, just a few points here. How do you get that right, accurate view? Well, I already mentioned one way, and that is to go to Scripture. Read Scripture, put yourself in that mirror, read the mail that's given to you when you're reading Scripture, apply it to yourself. Don't always be reading Scripture. In fact, you shouldn't really be reading Scripture this way at all, but you shouldn't be reading Scripture looking at how does it apply to your neighbor's life. You should be looking at it, how does it apply to my life? The other thing you can that you need to do, too, to get an accurate view of yourself 
is to go and to talk to those who are in authority over you, who are your mentors, who are your disciples, your pastor. You need to go and to ask them, what has God gifted me in? What, what, what is my place? What is my purpose? What do you see in me? This is what I see. Do you think that it's right? Submit it to them. Because if they're godly people, they'll go and give you an honest answer. So the thing that I really want us to see here this morning is that you need to have the same mind which Christ had, and that starts with an accurate view of yourself. Like I said, tomorrow we're going to be getting more into that humility and into that obedience that we need to have. But thank you for listening today, and remember Joshua 1, 8, 9 as we depart. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Oh, but even in darkness, we hold to the promise, there's nothing we can't overcome.